Hey, what's going on? It's Sharita C.W. Dela Cruz, and this is the Middle Page Podcast, powered by Blast Music 24-7, Esoteric Entertainment, and you. It's so good to have everyone here tonight. Um, we have a great guest tonight who is going to share with us words of wisdom and thought. Um, she is an award-winning poet. Uh, she's done work in the penal system. She's a mother. Uh, she's a filmmaker. Um, I just, I'm just going to go ahead and bring her in so she can tell us all about herself. Liz Straight. We have Liz Straight with us tonight. How are hey, you? Hey, what's going on? I'm excellent. How you doing? Doing good. I appreciate you asking. And I'm glad you're doing well, too. Um, so where do we start? Uh, how did you get your start in literary arts, first and foremost? <laughs> where are you from? Um... I'm from a small town on the Mississippi Gulf Coast called Ocean Springs. That's okay. where I was born and raised. And mm -hmm. then um, from a very young age, I moved around a lot, saw a lot of the country just because I had a young mom. She had me when she was 15. So mm. she had two sisters that were in the army when I was growing up. So in the summertime, wherever one of her sisters might happen to be stationed, if it was within the continental U.S., then for the summertime, we would just go and kind of hang out with them for the summer. So I uh, lived in Tacoma, Washington and El Paso, Texas. And then eventually my mom married my stepdad when I was around nine or 10 mm. years old. And he was also in the military, in the Navy. So we left Mississippi at that point and went from Tennessee to uh, Pensacola to Philly wow. and then to Jacksonville. And by that North time, Carolina I was about 15. Florida? Jacksonville, Florida. Okay. Yeah. So by that time, I was about 15. And uh, that's where I graduated from high school in Jacksonville. I did my first two years of college there at University of North Florida. And then um, from there, I ended up in Tampa for a few years. And and between Jacksonville and Tampa, that's um, kind of where I got started uh, with the literary arts, like you asked. Even though when I was a small child, I, I always knew that I wanted to be a writer. I was always a voracious reader. And mm. I, I did creative writing, uh, you know, just like in my free time. And I was always really good at it in school. So mm. I found myself, you know, going in that direction from a very early age. And by the time I was graduating high school, I went to the Army Reserves, uh, got injured, came home and started college. So that was a, a very oh, wow. small stint for myself in the military. But when I got back home, I found myself at the University of North Florida, like I said. And at that uh, juncture, I found myself really getting involved with the um, arts community there in Jacksonville. I was in an African dance troupe called Noir Soleil. I was in plays and local theater. And that's when I experienced my first poetry open mic as well, it was like around 19, 20 years old. Okay. So at that point, I had never, you know, been in that world at all. But I was invited to the open mic to read one of my short stories because I, I wrote a lot of fiction. And, and that's just kind of where my where my creative focus was, I guess. I was writing poetry, but it was more just like, you know, I'm gushing out all my emotions and shit onto the page. And that is how I did it through poetry, not through fiction. So I go to this open mic to, to share one of my short stories as I was invited to do. And I brought one of my poems just because it was a poetry open mic. Right. So I remember sitting up there and, you know, doing my story. And then when they called me again and I read the poem, like the reaction from the audience after I read my poem was just like, this is the shit I need to be doing right here yeah. because I had no idea that anybody would want to hear me read, you know, my, my sappy, you know, lovesick, heartbroken, you know, like semi-revolutionary at that time poetry. So yeah. I just got addicted in, in one night. I just kept going back and, you know, I was embraced into the circle and you know how it goes with the poetry community. You know, once you show up, and if you show back up, you family, right, so, right? you know, they put your name on the list when they see you walk in the door, whether you want to read or not. Right. So that <laughs> community, Jacksonville just kind of really, you know, 
brought me into their fold and and shortly after that i was introduced to black on black rhyme because uh uh it was just in tallahassee at that time i don't know if you're familiar mm, with black on black I rhyme am. but now they have chapters all over the place but the original black on black rhyme out of tallahassee they they sent like a little contingency of their poetry troupe to jacksonville to feature yeah. at our you know spot and you know, the the poetry world just kept expanding for me. Like the more I was exposed to poets from all over the place, I realized that there was so much more to spoken word and, and I just, you know, wanted to devour it all. Yeah, just so that's sponge. Kinda, yeah, so that's where it all started for me as far as poetry is concerned. And then of course, you know, graduating into the slam community came very shortly after that. And, and um, boy, can she slam y'all, 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 you <laughs> that know. That was something that was just, you know, it was just one of those things that happened so organically. The first slam I ever did, uh, it was in Pensacola, Florida. And I remember thinking it was just an open mic. I was there with some of my, you know, poetry friends from the Black on Black Rhyme Tampa. And um, we go there and I sign up and I win the poetry slam not even really knowing what it was, you know, I was just like, okay, it's a slam, whatever. So I, I won that slam and it was a qualifier slam for their slam team, which I had no wow. idea. I didn't even know what that was. You just want to spit. That's all you wanted to do. Yeah. So That's I just that. showed up to do my thing, won that slam. And then, um, I went back for the semifinals or whatever it was, made it on the team. And that's how I ended up at my first Southern Fried, which was in New Orleans mm. in 2000, 2000, uh, no, 2003. Oh, okay. Yeah, 2003. Okay. I believe it was 2002 or three because I won that Southern Fried as an indie, my first one ever. I know that's right. So it just kept happening, you know, like poetry just kept saying, yes, this is, this is your life now. This is what you're supposed to be doing. So right. that year, our team from Pensacola, that's where we drove to for that slam was the Pensacola. We went to remember being so starstruck by, by a lot of the poets who are, you know, still in the game now, Absolutely. but are doing like huge things like Sheehan and Lemon and like, you know, all the people we know from deaf poetry, all the people who are like writing in Hollywood and, and just really doing amazing things. You yes. know, they were still slamming back then. So Chicago was amazing. Our team came in 11th. I remember that year at nationals, our first time ever going. Mm. And from then it, it just kind of became my life i mean there's so many chapters along that journey in poetry but that's really you know the the roots that's the beginning of it that's how i i got you know baptized in the in the ways of uh you know the spoken word community got you and so did you evolve into other places in regard to um i i think you have a part of your degree speciality is journalism Yes. Um, so I was doing that. I was like, I was editor of my high school paper, uh, director of my high school creative writing magazine. And originally my major in college was journalism. When I started at UNF, I was doing, you know, photography and, and mm. all those classes that you do when you're a journalism major. And I was working at the paper there and I realized quickly that conformed uh, you know, writing with, with parameters and constraints just was not for me, you know, like I would, yeah. I would go up to, to work and be miserable and they would say, okay, it's a penguin at the library, go cover it. And, right. you know, I would have to go <laughs> sit and watch a penguin, you know, at the library and kids asking questions and I would have to go interview like, so how did you like the penguin? You know, just shit like that. And I was just like, there is no way. And right. I remember being like sent out on assignment and I was so just frustrated. I would just make up shit. I would just, they would say, go do a story on truancy in the mall. So I would just go to the mall, walk around and eat, but I would make up my story. So I was still trying <laughs> to find ways to do creative writing, even though I was supposed to be doing journalism. Right. So I knew very quickly that that, that was not the world for me. Um, 
but oddly enough, you know, I still came back into journalism has always been a part of my life. And I came back mm -hmm. to that a couple, you know, times throughout my career, um, radio and print journalism as well. So it, it, it never went away. It just, you know, I, I knew early on that that was not the route I wanted to take as a writer. But yeah, you're right. There's some journalism in there in my background. Right. So can yeah. you share with us about the NPR experience? Yeah, of course. So um, as I said, I lived in Tampa for a while. And while I was there, um, a main part of what I was doing was I was an on-air personality at um, a community radio station, WMNF 88.5 FM. So I started at WMNF um, as a local news reporter, actually, they wanted to bring in um, more of uh, like voices from the marginalized community, more black, mm. Latino, Asian, young voices, because this radio station at that point was very, you know, old, white, hippie kind of, you know, it didn't really have it was right in the middle of the black community with really no pulse on what was happening in the black community uh, where we were in Tampa. So there was this, you know, move to bring in fresh voices to cover the news. Cause we had like, you know, an R&B show on Saturday night and, you know, a gospel show on Sunday morning, a hip hop show on Saturday night. But as far as the news was concerned, there was no coverage of black. Of the black community. Yeah. At all. So that they were trying to change that. So me and a few of my friends came in and during that period where we were being trained and, you know, shown the ropes and everything, and this was all, you know, community uh, radio. So there's no pay, you know, we're volunteering to just, you know, do these things that we're passionate about and, and cover stories in our community. So at mm -hmm. this point, it was like kind of like a new cycle in, in the programming and they had a meeting for people to pitch show ideas. Mind oh, you, I've never wow. been on the radio in my life. But one of my friends suggested pitching an idea for a poetry show. So I said, okay, you know, maybe they'll bite on that. Right. So I did. I went to this meeting and I said, you know, Tampa has a thriving poetry community. We need to have some representation on the, you know, community radio station for our poetry community. So they said, okay, cool. You haven't done radio. And I'm like, no, but I'm here and I can learn. So I had to go through the process of, you know, making like a, like a pilot show, you know, mm -hmm. I had to learn how to, you know, produce it, edit it and all that stuff. And once I did my pilot show, they were like, okay, good to go. They approved my show. And wow. I was, I had a one hour time slot on Saturday nights from 10 to 11 or from 11 to midnight or from 10 to 11. I don't remember because I'm getting old, but <laughs> it was on Saturday nights for one hour. And I'm pretty sure it was from 10 to 11 when I, when it right. first started. So anyway, this radio station used to be like the size of probably half the size of whatever room you sitting in right now. Like it was mm. literally like a little box house that they converted into a radio station. And you would be, it was like walking in your closet, walking in the on-air studio. And wow. I remember my first night I get there and... I had been trained on how to run the soundboard, but not live on the air by myself. Right. <laughs> so uh, the woman who trained me, she came for my first show and she kind of set me up. And this was when I was still like bringing poetry CDs and, you know, switching them in the CD player. And, you know, this wasn't oh, nothing wow. was, like screaming from the internet. Like I had like <laughs> stacks of CD CDs walking from the parking lot, all my you know, CDs that I collected from traveling and featuring, yeah. and, you know, just networking, you know, how, how that used to be. Yeah. So anyway, my first night on the air, you know, I'm doing my thing, making all kind of mistakes, but it was just live in the moment and ain't shit you can do about it. You know, you're, you're there and that's it. So after my first show, the next week I came in cause it was only once a week and I checked mm -hmm. my mailbox and I had a letter from somebody who was incarcerated. And oh, I was wow. like, oh, that's interesting. You know, so I opened the letter and uh, this brother was writing about how, you know, he loved the show. He was listening and, you know, just wanted to let me know that I did a good job. It was very encouraging. Just, you know, mm. we heard your show. We loved it. We loved the poetry. You know, keep it's it whole up. Another demographic. Was, whole, yes. whole another demographic. And, thing. and yeah. my brain was just like, OK, <laughs> since I know that there's people out there who are incarcerated who are listening to my show then i'm gonna 
make sure that I, you know, reach out to them over the airwaves and just Absolutely. shout them out and, you know, let them know that I know that they're there and I appreciate them because I, I didn't even know that, you know, they could have radios at that time of night. Like I was right. so naive to just <laughs> anything about, you know, life, uh, in the inside. So yeah, I, um, quickly started kind of tailoring my, um, not necessarily all of my content, but I made sure that I always thanked them for listening. And I made sure that anybody who wrote me a letter and wanted me to shout them out, I shouted them out. I wrote every single person back, you know, and when I'm talking about every single person in the beginning, I'm talking about maybe like five letters, you know, a week, you know, maybe three. But then as things started to snowball, I mean, I would get to the radio station and have like 60 letters crammed in in my mailbox. And it was just such an inspiration, like crazy thing where <laughs> it was, it just became the whole, you know, drive of my show. It was poetry and it was making sure that the men and women and children who were incarcerated knew that they had someone who was at least thinking of them, playing poetry yes. with them in mind, wanted to inspire them, wanting to make sure that they knew they weren't forgotten. So doing all this on the radio in the course of about five and a half years, um, wow. you know, we did beautiful things with the radio show. That's how I started the, the prison tour. And I'll come back to that. But when I when I ended up working with StoryCorps um, through NPR, yeah, they came to Tampa to do like a site visit. And I don't know if you're familiar with StoryCorps, but all they do is travel around and record the stories of everyday Americans. They have these yeah. airstream trailers that they converted into recording studios, like the yeah. silver bullet looking trailers. So StoryCorps was in Tampa for a couple weeks. And, you know, it, it was just a neat thing to do, like go in and record an interview. And yeah. um, then I just by signing up like for their emails and being in that whole information loop working at an NPR affiliate station as a volunteer I heard you know caught wind of them hiring for a facilitator position which is the job where you travel around and interview everyday Americans about their life so I applied for that job I had all the training from doing my own radio show because in community radio you the producer you the talent you the engineer you everything so I showed up and I ran the soundboard I did the music everything and I was of course the host so all my skills and uh, you know combined with my poetry background my journalism background and just knock their socks off you know exactly so I got that job like it was you know just like that I mean every interview they were like yes next interview yes next interview so the last interview I flew to New York did the interview they offered me the job right away and I had to just like drop everything and move to New York which is what I did because it was literally my dream job. And that uh, job was just uh, so eye-opening because we were literally like in a different city every week, every two weeks, traveling around and people all from all walks of life, all ages, anything you can imagine walked in that door to sit Mm. down and literally just talk to someone they cared about for 40 minutes. And it was my job, like as the engineer to kind of sit to the side. And if they were telling like a really good story, I would have to kind of fill in the missing pieces. Like I remember I had one story where there was uh, two brothers and one of them had rescued the other one from a fire. And so they tell this story and it's so emotional and all this. And then, but they never said how the fire started. (laughs) <laughs> so as a journalist, you know, you got to have all the pieces out. to the story. Cause if I'm a later yeah. be sitting here editing this footage, I need to be able to tell a story beginning, middle, end. So that was kind of my job was to, if they got stuck, I would offer them questions uh, where they could, you know, move their conversation along. I would kind of take notes about the more interesting parts of the conversation, but we did yeah. this all over the country and anybody and their mama and, or their grandmama or their second grade teacher or their auntie or, you know, the, their, their sponsor and AA, you know, who you could just cut some people, yeah. one grandma, I remember coming in with seven of her grandchildren piled in the booth just so they could all interview her for 40 minutes so the experiences were just mind-blowing and that is uh I think uh, maybe mm, not even quite a year that I was working with StoryCorps so that time frame was cut short because I got pregnant with my daughter during that time I was your first your first baby your first baby yes so I had 
to stop working, stop traveling because I was on bed rest for the majority of my pregnancy. Ooh, I know um, that was a change for you. It, it was a super duper big old change, <laughs> but you know, everything happens for a reason. And yeah. looking back on it, I wouldn't trade it for the world. <laughs> But it was literally like, you know, I was doing exactly what I wanted to do in a dream position and then bam, you know, breaks, everything just stopped. And, you know, I was just kind of forced to sit still and, and mm -hmm. just focus on, you know, my new uh, dream job as a mom. Right. You know, did you, continue, so, did you continue to write? Are you the type of person that, you know, journals as well yes. as, okay. Yes, so. absolutely. And, you know, ever since I was a child, I, I journaled, even though, you know, I, it was like called keeping a diary, of course. Back then, I remember, yeah. you know, having my little diary writing about how much I was in love with Vanilla Ice and new kids on the block. Like, I still have those diaries. I love and Jordan so Knight. Right? <laughs> I was a Donnie Wahlberg uh, girl. Donnie, the oh, fashion. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, that was me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I always journaled. And even as an adult, um, I don't journal as much as I would like. But right. something that's always in my toolbox, especially if I'm traveling or if I'm just trying to kind of unplug from from everyday life and, and kind of really take a break for myself. A lot of times I do that through writing. Like it's mm. it's been so many things for me. Um, and one of those things is definitely like it's like a, like my cushiony, soft comfortable bed that I can always come home to and crawl back in and feel yeah. so, you know, warm and, and just right at home. That's what writing is for me. So yeah. a lot of times when I find myself kind of leaning back on journaling, it's, it's because, you know, something in my life has happened or changed and I really need it. You know, I, what about you? Do you journal? Listen, I do, but I, I hate when things get too heavy. I just don't even want to write. I, I, I get I get frustrated because it's like, I don't know, maybe you don't want to face the facts, but some yeah. of the things that I literally have faced the facts on, on paper, I was able to navigate them a little bit better after being able to go back and look at it and see it like as if someone else wrote it. Did yeah. you ever get that feeling? Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so let's, let's go ahead and just take a turn into life and um, time management balance and like being a mom i think that's the one thing that changes the game for all of us women oh, um yeah. i'm not gonna go into the feminist you know side of that but you know for women we totally have to change because we deal yeah. with the physical changes for the nine months and then yeah. um the post the post pregnancy things that we deal with and whatnot no matter how many children you have every experience right. is different yeah and so um wanting to be able to continue to have a fruitful professional life and be a effective parent how did you navigate that well um when when my daughter was first born i was not working i was mm -hmm. fortunate enough to be at home for a little bit and i decided to go back and finish my bachelor's degree because I was always like in college out of college in college out of college just depending on mm -hmm. what was going on you know I'll take a break here and there so finally I said you know since I have this opportunity to be a little bit you know um free flowing with mm -hmm. my time and my my you know level of responsibility and how that affects my life I took that opportunity to go back to school so um in the beginning I was you know pumping breast milk in the morning, going to school, going in the bathroom, pumping between classes, coming yeah. home, you know, at, around like 11 or 12. And then, you know, the rest of my day was just, you know, spent uh, mothering. Yeah. And that was nice because it was, you know, like no, no, you know, distractions were really pulling me in any a direction where I couldn't focus on being a mom like class was like a couple you know maybe three four hours a day at the most mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then I was just home you know enjoying my my uh, newborn daughter so in the beginning it, it was just great and it felt awesome and and you know thank god I didn't have like any postpartum issues I was thank god. you know working out and you know just feeling good and happy and everything was just wonderful my daughter was perfectly healthy and 
growing and thriving and everything was just super duper. And then um, after I graduated, I had to work. And then everything <laughs> was not so super duper. Right. It shit started getting hard, you know, because then you have to think about childcare and, and, you know, you really have to think about time management because you're on somebody else's clock, you know, in college, taking classes, you know, everything's your responsibility. You just show up, mm-hmm. you do the work and that's all things that, you know, you can plan and navigate for yourself, however you want to yes. best do that. But when you mm-hmm. have a nine to five, it has nothing to do with how you want to best show up for that nine to five. You show you up gotta, nine to five and do what you punch that clock. Yeah. 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 So um, my first job as a new mom coming back into the workforce full time was working at a law firm as a legal assistant. And that was a skill that I always had um, because my mom taught me early on that, you know, you need to have multiple skills so that if one falls through, you have another one to fall back on. So I was waitressing. I was, you know, a, a secretary, a transcriptionist, you know, and then I quickly learned like going through temp agencies that if you were working at a law firm, they paid a whole lot more just to sit at the front desk than it did at uh, any other type of company. So I quickly just got into that world of doing legal administration. So I went right Mm. back to that when I needed a job, I knew I could just, you know, walk in and, and, and get a job doing that. So I did. And it was amazing because it allowed me to really, you know, just kind of prove to myself that I could manage motherhood and working and and still perform well in a professional environment and that, you know, motherhood hadn't changed me in the sense that I couldn't like forge an identity for myself as a as a professional, you know. So I was I was afforded that opportunity. And then I quickly realized that I did not want to be missing my baby as much as I was Mm -hmm. because the hours were just, you know, shitty compared to what I was used to, you know, working like five, five thirty, six o'clock sometimes. And then, you know, the baby's going to bed at seven, seven thirty, eight o'clock and there's like no time to really be with her. So then I said, I'm going to be a teacher. So I can have the same hours as my child when she gets old oh. enough to go to school. So that's how I got into education, which has been almost 12 years now that I've God been bless working you in and education. Your abilities. And, and that's how it happened because I, once I got back into the workforce after about a year, I realized I can't, I just can't because I was just missing her too much and I didn't want to leave her, you know, rearing up to other people. I wanted to do something where one, we could be together eventually, which worked out amazingly. I I, eventually, after my first year of teaching, I got a job at a private school that had a preschool. So when she was three years old, she started, you know, we were going to work every day together and I would drop her off at her classroom and then go to my classroom and teach. So that's exactly what I wanted was for uh, for me to have some type of, you know, hand in and influence on her educational journey. And that is, you know, what allowed me to, you know, thrive as a professional and a mom, I believe, was making that shift in, in my career choice to go into education because it opened the doors for me to be a very hands on parent, even though I was working full time. I understand. So. Did you ever want to be a teacher, although you had done things um, within your skill set that mimicked teaching or right. had teaching attributes? Did you actually just want to straight up ever just be a teacher? Nope. Never. Mm. Never, ever. <laughs> ever. <laughs> I just never saw that in the stars for me. I, I thought about it only because of the reasons that I said, because I wanted yeah. to have a matching schedule for, uh, you know, once my child got to the age where she was going to school. So uh, in Florida, if you, I don't know how it is in other states, but since my degree is in English, creative writing, then that's what I can teach English because my degree is not in education. So mm-hmm. you get, you know, a, a, a special or a, a subject area specific certification to teach. credential or certification. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so it's only for that subject area. I could teach journalism and English fifth through 12th grade. So that's the, that's what I did. So I, I never went to school for um, 
education. I never took a class in college that was for educators or teachers ever. I I was literally just showing up and figuring shit out as I went, which is horrible to say, but a it's lot of not. teachers are doing that even still today. Like you just show up and use the skills that you have and be kind to the kids and 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 teach them what you're supposed to teach them. So that's what I did. I literally just looked at the book and I said, okay, by the end of the year, they're supposed to learn all this. So let me just work backward. <laughs> you know, like and that's figure how I figured out, out how a lesson it. plan. I just <laughs> read the book and just made shit up. Like it, it was so crazy when I first started teaching. But I think like everything, like any major change in my life, I feel like it was trial by fire. It was the same way with teaching. I was at a public school. It, it wasn't the worst school in the world, but you know, I still had like 16 year olds on house arrest in the eighth grade. You know, this and you know, classes with like 30 kids, and, wow. and you know, half of them read like at a second grade level. If they wow. read, so you had at work all. to do. Yeah, if you if you if you, I taught yeah, it all. You, I taught the if, lowest of the low and the highest of the high. My first year. See, I'm sorry that that excited me. I apologize yeah. because because as gifted as you are, all of the things that you have mentioned to us at this point in the conversation, you literally put your hand to something and it, it came to pass and was and you were successful at it. Um, like there's a there's a special kind of person that you have to be to be able to go from um, being a, a strong advocate in literacy with with people who, you yeah. know, like obviously if they have house arrest, they've had trials and things that they've dealt with yeah. along with their teenage emotions and hormones and being able to yeah. navigate that classroom as well as an honors classroom where there's more discipline. Oh, man, uh, I just want to say thank you. Um, if no one has ever said it, uh, to be able thank to you. put all of those things to work in a place that you never thought that you would be um real Definitely quick we never thought i would be <laughs> I, I understand <laughs> um real quick we're gonna go into the artist spotlight real quick and we're gonna come okay, back great. to this topic um veep are you there yep i am here <laughs> great show ladies all right tonight's uh, artist is sponsored by Blast Radio 247. Choose your favorite browser. You can log in to Blast Radio 247, hear all of our podcasts, as well as great independent music. Uh, tonight is my man, Elijah Rosario, and this is called Best of Me. Let's check it out. Slow. 
indeed and that was our boy elijah rosario with best of me and if you are an independent artist spoken word poet or even an up-and-coming comedian looking for some exposure you can go to blastmusic247.com and register for free but here's the beautiful thing blast needs the fans so fans of great music you can go to blastmusic247.com register for free and be a part of the family blast changing the industry one artist at a time all right ladies back to you Thank you. Oh, gosh, Liz. I, you know, I think I had just said it. I'm so proud of you. You know, to have been so successful in the places that you were successful um, with poetry, with uh, the National Public Radio, uh, to, and I'll just be frank. Uh, you know, some women are very, very, very career driven, and that might have put them in a different place than you found that in a different place than you found yourself when you became a mother and then realized the uh, barriers that um, motherhood would have on uh, the type of professional life that one would like to have. Um, do you find that you miss, you know, being out on the road or going different places or does your resolve to be and i don't i'm not even being cynical uh, it's just a, a fair question your resolve to be the best parent that you could be to your children does how do you how do you handle that right there knowing that you have all of this power right um in other places you know um i try not to live my life as a regretful person it's um exhausting and mm -hmm. i used to be you know really uh hard on myself for mm. different life decisions that i made along the way but when i did become a mom i found that you know my priorities shifted instantly and I found myself, you know, drawn to a lifestyle where, where I wanted to be more present and in the moment with, with my child and be, like you said, the best parent that I could be. And I, I understood what that meant, you know, coming into it, I understood what that meant. I, 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 I can't say that I was ever really trying to like grasp or, or, you know, hold on to the lifestyle that I had. Um, because I just, it just instantly became unimportant because being a mom was the most important thing. And, and I, I really can't say that I don't miss it, but not in the way where it makes me sad. You know what I mean? Like I miss it because it was fun because the memories were, were, were great and the people were great. And, you know, I've made, made and built lifelong friendships uh along the way when i was doing those things when i was on the radio and traveling and you know hosting open mics and doing features like literally all over the world it was cool but being a mom is like a gazillion times 
cooler. <laughs> so I, I don't miss it in that sense where, you know, like I wish I had it back. It's just one of those things that, you know, when I have opportunities that present themselves, um, especially now that my daughter's a little bit older, you know, I can, I can do things when things pop up and someone says, you know, can you, you know, come and participate in this or that or whatever. And I'm, you know, I can pick and choose when I say yes. And when I say no, and that was something that I really didn't have the, the freedom to do when that was my livelihood. I didn't really feel like I had the freedom to turn down any opportunity for money or exposure. You know, as things got like really good, I could turn down, you know, those oh exposure uh, opportunities, but I rarely turned down the money opportunities. So if somebody said you want to feature here, there, wherever, I was like, yes, yes, yes. I didn't care if it was one night here, one night there, and one night in a whole nother city, I, I would do it because that's what I did to feed myself. So now it, it just feels like um, not necessarily something that I've lost or given up, but it's just something that I can, you know, it's like going to the beach and putting my feet in the water, you know, and then the water goes out and it comes back in and then the waves go out and they come back in and I can kind of choose if I want to walk up and, and let the waves, you know, come up to my feet. And if I want to let my feet get wet or if I want to stay back on the sand and just, you know, not take part because, that is what, you know, like the foundation that I built becoming a, a working mom in the field of education has allowed for me to do that. You know, like I don't, I don't miss being a full-time artist and not having health insurance and not, you know, you know, worrying about if a that show part. canceled and I can't pay my rent, you know, it's just like, come on, man. Uh, so I admire and like bow down to people who, who are, who are still living full-time artists' lives because mm -hmm. not every artist is a struggling artist. Like you really have to carve your way and people can live, you know, their best possible life, like literally doing their, their art for a yeah. living. But me, I didn't find that that was what I wanted to do. I don't even know if I could have made that happen that I would have chosen it because it still would have been time away from my child and... And the life that you were building with your children and your family and that yeah, as the changes had an occurred. Idea, yeah, I had an idea of what I wanted that to look like. And I didn't want it to be an on the road life. I just, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, I just, I'm, and I'm very, very pleased and, 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 uh, you know, comfortable with the choice that I made that I, that I wanted to live a more, not necessarily traditional but just a more settled kind of lifestyle yeah. because I know myself <laughs> better than anyone and I know that that lifestyle was not meant for Liz the mom that was meant for Liz pre pre-child right that life was not meant for Liz post-child right I know that we, we know, know how myself. that artist's life works yeah. you know how you say life sometimes just tell you to sit down I knew that yeah. it was time for me to just sit my ass down and that is exactly what I needed at that moment in time. I tell you, I asked that question because a lot of people might not know how to versify that to themselves. There may right. be some women or men out here who are still still struggling with the aspect of how do I navigate? And that that those things that you mentioned could be deal breakers for certain people in right. their lives. It's like, hey. I never thought of it that way because I mean, just your your analogy about your sand, your feet in the sand and you can decide whether you want to go in the water or not. That's that's broad, you know. Um, I appreciate all of your input. Um, work life balance is really important, especially whenever yeah. you're trying to live a fulfilled life. A yes. lot of us like I. Um, I can subscribe to your mother's life. I had my daughter now, I was 15 years old. Mm -hmm. And you have to, I mean, you're already in the process of trying to figure out who the hell you are. Exactly. And then you go and have a kid, yeah. you know, and then you want to be able to give the best life to your child. Um, for me, um, I'll just be candid because I like to give people examples of life as well. I had to work a lot 
and that, that kind of put strain on the relationship that I had with my child that I had when mm -hmm. I was 15, my daughter and I, because you were never there and this, that, and the third. And yeah. um, being that her father was incarcerated for 17 years wow. um, in her youth. And, you know, I had a grand responsibility of taking care of her financially. And so that career driven nature that I mentioned, mm -hmm. that is I. You yes. know, because once you get into that rhythm, it's like, you know, money's in the house, you're taking care of things. And if you drop the ball, the ball drops. Yes. You know, and so oh, I'm so grateful to know that women can make drastic, drastic decisions, yes. but yet fulfilling decisions for their lives and for their families. And that is um, that is a great sacrifice and a, and a great testimony to um, how family works. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, I, you said you breastfed, so I can anticipate that you live a healthier lifestyle in regard to nutrition and wellness. How do you um, balance that out um, with your busy life? Well, um, one thing that I do at every, you know, every day that it's humanly possible as I do intermittent fasting. So as far as what I eat, I, I went through, you know, days where I was a vegetarian for seven years or so. And I went through a time where I only ate like fish and nothing else. Now I, I eat everything, but I don't like, you know, I try to stay away from fast food at all costs and I try to cook at home or at least eat whole foods that are, you know, prepared and not processed. Right. Um, but clean, clean eating. Has, yeah. Yeah. So intermittent fasting has really helped me just kind of regulate, um, you know, like as I get, old, I, which literally happened to me, I feel like it was like the second I turned 40, I was just like, yo, <laughs> something right. is very different. But I, I find that for me, uh, you know, talking to my, uh, doctor before I did it, you know, I, I thought I'm just going to like seriously give it a try. Cause I tried it in the past, but not with any discipline. So this time around, which has probably been over, over a year now, I try to eat for the first time around 10 30, 11 o'clock. And then I usually eat my last meal. Um, I try really hard to make it by six 30, but mm. sometimes like, if you know, like if I have like a dinner reservation or if think like, for example, tonight I had choir practice and I didn't have time to cook in between getting home from work and having to leave to go back for choir practice. So I ate when I got here at like 830 before I jumped on with you the night. Yeah. I ate. So sometimes it's it's off a little bit, but for the most part, I'm sticking. That's what I stick to that schedule. So it helps me regulate my energy helps me sleep better because I'm not going to mm. sleep like on a full stomach you know like bloated and just feeling that feeling of food still digesting in my system you know like a lot of time goes by from the last meal that I have to the time that I go to bed and and keeping with that I try to have the same bedtime every night if it's at all humanly possible I usually go to bed between 9 30 and 10 30 yeah. And I get up at 5.45 every day. But I, um, when I do eat my first meal of the day, it's usually the same thing. I either do overnight oats with bananas and milk and honey and cinnamon and walnuts and chia seeds. Or I do like a fresh fruit, kind of like papaya, pineapple, grapefruit, banana with nuts and chia seeds. And that's usually one, one of those two options is the first thing I eat each day and then for lunch I, you know i have to eat on the schedule that my students uh do. right so right we all have lunch at 12 o'clock <laughs> so at 12 o'clock some and and like i'm fortunate that i teach at a school where the like the the food in the lunchroom is actually very good like they really do cook good food That's so good. sometimes i can go to the lunchroom and get like you know homemade meatballs and green beans and you know like good stuff like that but i try to cook enough at night so that i have enough the next day for lunch right and um usually for dinner i'm doing like you know a, a protein and a vegetable or you know very like you know and, and and i'm trying to not necessarily avoid like starches but i try to just eat the portions that are 
good enough for me in the moment. Like I don't eat anymore until I feel like I'm about to explode, which is right. what I used to do. You know, I wasn't eating mindfully, but these days I try to be very mindful about my portions and just, you know, when I'm full, it's okay to stop. I feel yeah. like, you know, God willing, I know where my next meal is coming from. So I don't have That's to right. eat like this is my last meal. Like, I feel like it's something like about just being in the army and growing up in a family where, you know, this is what's on your plate and you better eat it all. You know, All of it. Upbringing. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of had to deep program myself from that and just, you know, eat when I feel hungry and eat just enough so that I'm satisfied and that's it. You know, sometimes I go through phases where I'm like really like, you know, not so much counting calories, but being like extra mindful. Like if I'm in a phase where I'm working out like heavily, like five, six days a week, which I'm not in that phase right now, but <laughs> I was very recently, I just took a break um, because I just felt like I needed it. But when I'm really heavy into working out and lifting weights, I tr I'm even more aware of, of what I'm eating. But like you said, I try to aim for, you know, clean eating, cooking at home as much as I possibly can. And, uh, you know, not snacking, um, you know, stuff like that really helps to keep me where I need to be like grounded and, and mindful that, you know, this is the vessel that I have, the only one. So I got to treat it like it's 43 years old and not 12 years old. That's right. So, yeah. Listen, I, I appreciate that because um, a lot of people think that you got to eat to get full a lot of times just because you get full you've overeaten if you have to yeah. like wiggle or loosen your belt exactly to, to <laughs> you know continue your meal it's a little bit you know over the top right you gotta pep talk yourself into it like take a deep breath like, two okay, more bites there's two more bites this. yeah <laughs> right it shouldn't be like a challenge <laughs> not at all not at all um oh, i found good. that trying to get more i really have been trying to put what you know the lemon in the water or the cucumber in the water before yeah. i drink it or eat anything else during the day yeah it's just hard man especially i work i work at a uh i'm a manager at a fast food restaurant currently uh -huh. my traditional workforce job right oh gosh those meals and the little fries and stuff like yeah, that it's, it's, it's so inviting always there but it's always. like if i bring some celery or bring some mm -hmm. uh green peppers and onions to just put on a tortilla and eat it up real quick because yes i'm i'm on the verge of veganism nice. but i still enjoy chicken wings yes that's what broke me the first time I was the first time I went from vegetarian to non-vegetarian. My roommate at the time, uh, we were just like, let's go get a whole chicken and cook it and eat it. We were both vegetarian. There were other so that was like yes. Let's go. But let me tell you, we did just you had do a it? moment. <laughs> yes, we did it. And I never looked back. <laughs> yeah, there's there's just a time where you realize that there's just something that I want and you can still do it, you know, in moderation, as they say. But I feel you on that. There's some things where I'm so glad that I'm eating it again, like bacon. I hadn't eaten pork since I was 14 years old. So and you just, just like all the different kinds again. of bacon they have yes, now. I just started eating pork again about four years ago. Maybe, oh my gosh. Yeah, about four years ago. Amaze balls, and you're just pepperoni. having fun. It started with pepperoni <sighs> on pizza, and now I'm all the way back at at barbecue rib uh, and brisket. Oh you know, no, yeah. not brisket and barbecue quick, ribs. Easy transition. <laughs> I literally was in the grocery store today, telling my story. Look, telling my truth to some <laughs> to this random lady. No, and I was like. You know, I was trying to be on the turkey bacon, but I couldn't find a good turkey bacon. You can't and, find you know, no good turkey bacon. That ain't even a sentence. I, found a, I sense. found a good one today. I did find a good one today, but you actually got to cook it. I, you know what? Yes. My secret is to bake the, the turkey bacon. Don't try to fry yes. it in a pan. Yeah, when I bake was it, bacon, definitely in the oven. Yes. Definitely. Drizzle a little olive oil or avocado oil on it and yes. and try to crisp it up. Yeah, you, <laughs> you, know you got to give it a little. Mm, that doggone yeah, pork bacon. They got, 
Yeah. Candied bacon. Like, what yeah. are you doing? What yeah. are you trying to do? Um, how much water do you consume? Do you find that water is, long. are you a water, you're a good water person or are you yeah. one of those people All that has long. to have flavored water? Mm -mm. I mean, I do like, I, I love LaCroix. I love sparkling water. I think um, they're really good. The little wildberry one. The wildberry yeah, one is my favorite from there. Water. Because if I'm like, if I'm eating something and I want like the fizzy or some kind of taste, then yeah. That's what I do. I don't. I don't buy soda. I very rarely drink soda, like ever. I'm a water drinker. Every time I go to a restaurant, I order water. In my house, mm. water. I don't buy juice. I don't buy soda. It's just water. That's all I drink. Black That's coffee. why your complexion is glowing Yum. at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> I don't put anything in my coffee. It's Black dewy. Coffee. Look at her forehead. Um, that's not. That's, that's sweat. That's, that's sweat. That's sweat. That's a it's beautiful been a long day. Yes. <laughs> is, it is it warm? Is it warm where you are? Oil. Come on, man. I live in West Palm Beach. It's more than oh my. Yeah. Oh wow. It was about eighty something today, and oh, it rained wow. all day. So yeah. it was a muggy yeah. rain. Yeah, muggy, and we hadn't had rain in a in a in a probably over a week. So it was a lot of rain. We got like over an inch of rain just in a couple hours. Wow. But water, I'm, I'm very good with drinking water. I, I, like I said, I very, very, very rarely drink soda. I don't drink alcohol. I stopped drinking alcohol right around COVID. Um, mm. so that was just a personal choice that I made because when right around when COVID hit, I was the school where I had been teaching for eight years was closing. They had announced that they were closing after 28 years being oh. in operation. Wow. Um, I was going through a divorce. Um, COVID hit and this was all at the same time. Wow. So I said, I can't be, you know, drowning in my sorrows and 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 that'd be I, trouble I just said, and i'm like a cold turkey person like i remember when i was like a teenager and i used to smoke cigarettes cold turkey just never looked at one ever again you know because i was like anything like that it's just like even like being a vegetarian and going back to eating meat like when i decided i wanted to be a vegetarian there was no like slow you know gradual uh lifestyle change it was just like i'm a vegetarian now Mm. That's it. And then it was like, okay, I'm gonna eat meat again. That's it. I th I think cigarette smoking was the only vice that I had that was truly something I never picked back up. I never picked it back up. Yeah. It was really just. It was uh, one day I've been smoke free since twenty oh twenty thirteen. It was like Final Four, you know, we're bar hopping, yeah. watching games yeah. and stuff. We just finished watching Carolina Villanova game. Got in a car accident with my ex. Oh, my and, God. And um, the girl hit us real good. I was driving a Tahoe. She was driving a Pacifica. She hit me real good. Mm. And um, totaled my truck. Um, he had tapped out a fresh pack of Newports, you know, while we was waiting for the cops to come. He was like, you want one? I was like, nah. I think I was just so bamboozled about what oh, happened in yeah. that. And my truck, I loved my Tahoe. And I, I never picked up another cigarette after that day. It was March 22nd, 2013. It's crazy. Wow. So I totally crazy. understand what you're saying about being able to go cold turkey on the thing. Some some things are just like that. I haven't been like that with everything in my life. But some right. things, usually, especially if it's like a lifestyle change and I've made my mind up about it, then that's it. That's right. Um, would you like to impart any other wisdom on our listeners and viewers about how to maintain um, a work-life balance before we get your social media handles, if you're willing to share? Yes. Um, if you have not, try meditation. It changed my mm. life. I surely wish we would have mentioned that earlier in the conversation because I'm a certified meditation instructor. I teach meditation to kids and adults and especially working moms. I think out of mm. all like the group uh, workshops that I've done teaching meditation, working moms is is the most popular group that I have reach out to me for for um, like intro to meditation uh, classes. So just try meditation, drink water. Don't be afraid to say no. The power of saying no is a huge thing. You know, guard your time, guard your yes. space. Guard your your boundaries, you know, and and if you can just be firm in who you are, even though that's ever changing, just be firm in who you are and, and know that every single day 
you have the opportunity to be the person that you want to be. Every moment you have the mm. opportunity to be the person who you want to be. Just because you made a bad choice five minutes ago doesn't mean that you can't reset and, and make a different choice five minutes later. Just always never be afraid to begin again, whether it's healthy habits, whether it's healthy emotional choices. Just always know that there's there's never a bad time for a fresh start. But that's my words of, of wisdom. You know, you guard your time, you guard your space, you, you do what you need to do to feel capable in your own skin. Because sometimes you look in the mirror and you say, I can't do this. Mm. And, and that's okay too. But whatever you need to feel capable, do that for yourself. And don't ever be afraid to do things for yourself. Mm. Only. Just for yourself. There's nothing wrong with that. Real That's quick, it. I don't I don't know if you've seen thank you for that. I don't know if you yeah. have you seen the Nia Long Jeezy interview? No, but I heard about it. This was just recently, right? A couple yes, of days ago. It's, it's yeah. amazing. I will, I will check she, it out. Please do. Um and encourage others to do so because it's it's I, I don't even want to tell you about it. It's, I'm just letting you know it's phenomenal. But okay. uh, the reason why I mention it is because she said something just like that. Don't be afraid to live for yourself i've seen you know of course we see the memes and stuff um i saw a meme the other day you can't do anything for someone else if you can't do it for yourself That's you right. can't pour from an empty cup you know That's it's just how right. many times can we hear it said you yeah. know that we have to make sure that we're establishing ourselves within ourselves to be able yeah. to do anything else whether yeah. for our spouse our children for our for anything anything outside of our bodies just Yes. So um, we really appreciate that uh, wonderful knowledge. Do you want to share where people can find you for the uh, meditative uh, uh, assistance? Yep. Lizstraight.com. L-I-Z-Z-S-T-R-A-I-G-H-T. I'm pretty sure that's my website. Because <laughs> <laughs> I have two. I have elizabethstraight.com and lizstraight.com. But I'm pretty sure lizstraight.com is the meditation one. And I'm also on Facebook, Liz Straight. Um, Instagram is also Liz Straight. But I think the at is not your poetry puppet. Like literally mm. just like it sounds. Not your poetry right. puppet. Uh, same thing on Twitter, Liz Straight. Um Remember, it's That's two really Z's, y'all. Two Z's. Yes, two Z's. And I think TikTok, I'm Liz Straight, too. Or I'm not your poetry puppet. I'm on social media, but I don't, like, live by social media. So yeah. I know Liz Straight is just, yes, you'll find me. On, on right. all those platforms, you'll find me, Liz Straight. Yes. But, yes, if anybody has any questions about meditation, getting started, the, 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 you know, basic one-on-one breakdown, just hit me up, you know, human to human. I'm always down to talk to people about that. Always. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you so much. This was great. This <laughs> flew by. I've told you when you, it time flies when you're having fun and giving a wonderful information that you've given us. God bless your life. God bless your family's lives. And Thank just you. keep, Thank keep, you. Keep pressing and doing all that you're doing for your community and the world at large. Um, she mentioned you can find her at LizStraight.com mm -hmm. um, and all of her social media handles. Um, either I'm not your puppet or LizStraight. Yeah, I'm um, not you your can, poetry puppet or, yeah, not your poetry puppet or that's Liz Strait. That's it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And you can and you can find us at info.middlepage. Was it at info? dot middle page on instagram you can, <laughs> yeah girl you know yeah, look when you so and when you get our age we're analog girls in a digital world so we're trying Absolutely. to navigate this thing you know we're trying to navigate this thing content creators content uh, sisters uh, right yeah, so yes make up. sure some of you um caught this uh episode of the middle page podcast by clicking on the link on the post otherwise we would love for you to subscribe to blast music 24 7 so you can catch all of the episodes of the middle page podcast including other great programming that blast 24 blast music 24 7 provides um we've had a wonderful time with liz straight straight out of florida and um i'm sure to see w Dela cruz and this has been the middle page podcast Thank you, Sherita.